we begin with prayer. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our collective heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. You who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It seems like it's becoming a, a fairly annual happening these days, and that is that media outlets are picking up on the fact that they believe that our society in general is becoming more and more self-centered and not wanting to help one another enough. And so they lament this fact. And you can see articles written almost on a yearly basis. And the solution to that is they're trying to inspire us as a society to accomplish or carry out inspiring acts of generosity. Random acts of, of kindness you might hear people speak about. That's kind of a neat thing. The most recent article I was reading about that, talking about some already happened inspiring acts of, of kindness or generosity, trying to, to motivate and spur us on as a collective society. It was highlighting how, for example, um, a young lady who was engaged to be married, she had her eyes set on this wedding dress that cost $500. And she went in, she tried it on, and she said, this is the dress I have. If only I had the money. And she went away knowing that wouldn't be hers, only to have a stranger who was in the shop with her at the time pick up the tab and and have the dress delivered to her house. And they're saying, wow, generosity at its best. Or, or the account of this man who, who for 35 years in the city of Detroit had been walking 25 miles each way every day to get to work because he couldn't afford a car. And a bunch of people watching them over the course of the years walk past their house to get to work and realizing what was going on, they pooled their resources and they, they bought him a vehicle. Generosity. It's a beautiful thing when you see it. But I don't always know if we realize it when we're looking at it. Because I want to show you right now what the most amazing example of generosity looks like. And I can't do it the way I would like to do it, but I want you to imagine that each of you had a mirror right now. I simply would ask you to look in that mirror. And I would ask you, what do you see? And I'm sure I would get some comical answers. I would see a, a better than average looking person or a worse than average looking person. I would see wrinkles, or I would see some gray hairs, perhaps. But what I'm asking you to see when you look in that mirror is the most amazing example of generosity. Because what you are looking at as you gaze into a mirror is someone who has been provided for in the most amazing way. Someone who has an identity 
that goes far beyond anything this world could ever offer. You are looking at someone who our God in heaven cared so much about that he said, I will do anything, even give up my son, that you will be with me in heaven for eternity. Now that's generosity. And I bring that up at the forefront of this conversation this morning because once again, we stand before the word of our Lord and before each other and we wrestle with the topic of our financial blessings that have been received and the the relationship with them. And even as I talk about gifts fit for the king, our gifts given generously, we start to cringe Because church is talking about money gets awkward. But giving generously can only be discussed in light of the most generous gift given. Our Savior having been given to us. And so with that in mind, we do continue on with our theme of gifts fit for the king, of thinking about the wise men as they arrived to worship the newborn king and how they gave with eager hearts. And, and now we see in the lesson that we will look at in just a moment, the generous hearts that are behind our giving as well. I'm going to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting with verse 6. And we're continuing on from where we left off last week. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, He has scattered abroad His gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And so I mentioned that what we are doing in these three weeks of talking about what Christian giving looks like uh, eagerly, generously, and and next week confidently, we're simply going straight through a whole chapter of God's Word. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And from last week, we remember that the background is this. The Apostle Paul, he's praising the Corinthians. That congregation, that was gathering together on a regular basis in the city of Corinth in Greece. He's praising them because all of the churches in that area of the world were pooling their resources together to collect a large offering that the Apostle Paul himself was going to gather from them and hand-deliver to a bunch of Christians in Jerusalem. Because the Christians in Jerusalem were going through a period of very difficult times. They were, they were passing through a famine and persecution and poverty. And the Corinthians were eager to help. We saw that last week. 
And the Apostle Paul talks to them now about this eagerness they have, even as he's reminding them about what a generous gift looks like. And so we look that a gifts fit for the king are given generously. But here's the problem. By nature, we're not very generous. Can we just say that and get that out on the table? By nature, we are not generous people. Because generosity implies giving away what we feel is ours. I got a kick out of an article I read. It was actually just a couple weeks ago, and it was on this very topic of philanthropy and generosity and donations. And this, this was actually what the title was. People tend to become more generous when other people are watching. You realize what that means. That means that we're not naturally generous, but rather we're inclined to be generous as long as it's for show. Or if people are watching because then we're getting something out of it. Then we are uh, on the recipients of either fame or thanks or feeling good about ourselves. And so the article is about if you want people to give more, just make sure more people are watching. To which I say, that's not generosity at all. But I did tell you what generosity is. It has everything that your God has done for you. You see, generosity is summed up in the word Christ. Generosity is summed up in the Christian message that we, who by nature do not enjoy giving, because we don't like losing a part of ourselves or what we feel like we have earned for ourselves, our hearts are transformed as we witness pure generosity in the work of Christ. Just think about God's work in those terms. Scripture is not difficult to understand in a couple of very key points. One being, when we are born into this world, we're born at odds with God because of the sinfulness that consumes us. And yet, what does God do? He doesn't turn his back on us. He says, my love for you is so great that I'm going to pour out on you everything you don't deserve. My grace and my love. I'm going to provide for you a Savior who's going to take your spot. He's going to, he's going to live under that law that you break so easily and he's going to do it perfectly and then he's going to give his life as the atoning sacrifice that you might be my children forever. Generosity on display. And that's the starting point for our conversations about Christian giving. Generous Christian giving. And so the Apostle Paul has that all in the background as he's dealing with those fellow brothers and sisters in Corinth who know the love of Christ. And now he gets into the instructions or the reminders about how we with renewed hearts can take on this topic of giving. And so he says, remember this. It's interesting. He's saying, remember this. Here's a key point. He says, whoever sows sparingly 
will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. He's speaking an adage, something that comes straight from the agricultural society, the farming. And I think you guys understand it whether you've grown up on a farm or not. Can you imagine the, the folly of a farmer who sets out to plant his fields and he casts one seed with the hope that it will reap a harvest of the entire field? Of course that's not going to work, he says. If you're looking for a harvest, you cast many seeds. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. If I cast one seed, how silly would it be for me to expect to receive a whole field full of wheat? And so conversely, he says, what the farmer knows, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. The farmer that, that has all of those seeds at his fingertips and casts them out, using them all, getting them all over the fields, he knows that the harvest that will be produced will be generous. Because he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. You see, the Apostle Paul is setting our minds to some truth that we sometimes forget. We have been blessed with an amazing amount of seeds or blessings or gifts. And the question in the Christian's life is not always, what must I do to get more? It is, what can I do to sow these seeds, to make faithful use of these gifts? And so Paul says, be generous. Be generous because by giving, you will receive. Now, we've got to be careful right there, don't we? Because it's easy for us to manipulate Paul's words here. As if Paul were giving us investment strategies for 21st century America and saying, go ahead and, and, and just invest it all and do so with the mindset that if I give it all, I'm just going to get a huge reward. The Lord will not let me down. I'm letting it all ride. That's not what he's saying. That's too simplistic. But what he is saying is this. When a Christian has a right relationship with the blessings in his life, he sees them as seeds or, or tools that can be used that will produce further blessings. And yes, sometimes those blessings will be in your own life, and sometimes they will be in the lives of others. Th- think of the Corinthian congregation here. Paul is talking to them specifically about this offering that they're collecting for those who were troubled in Jerusalem. The Corinthians may not know any of those people personally, and yet what the Apostle Paul is assuring them is as you sow generously and you give so generously to that congregation in Jerusalem, the harvest is going to be abundant because your gifts are causing blessings to grow in a part of the world that you may never get to, with people you may never meet, in situations that you may not ever completely understand. He's saying, what a joy it is 
to cast the gifts you've been received that they might, once established, produce blessing upon blessing for others, which is good for you as well. And so we read these words and we have to come face to face with one of the biggest challenges when it comes to talking about Christian stewardship or giving. And the challenge is this. It's the lie that we have been told and the lie that we have bought when the devil whispers in our ears, giving is losing. Think about that. We think that's true, that if we give from ourselves, we're losing something. But giving is not losing, the Apostle Paul says. It's far greater than losing a part of who you are, but rather giving is producing a harvest of righteousness. Blessing upon blessing. Now, in one sense, it is true that giving is losing. Because when we give faithfully and we see the blessings that the Lord has put before us, put to use in his kingdom, one thing we do lose is our position in the rat race. Do you know what I'm talking about? The rat race of life where we get our blinders on and life becomes all about the accumulation. Life becomes all about the the winning, which is defined by the amount that we gain and the amount of our checkbook and the amount of our retirement and the amount of our goods. But it's a rat race because there's never satisfaction because as soon as you reach one amount, you want the next one and you look to your neighbors and you look to the, the people in Hollywood and you look to television and you say, I need to get more. Until we're reminded what generous giving looks like. It's, you mean I get to use what I have? To produce a harvest elsewhere? And we lose gratefully our position in that rat race because we can sit back and say, my life is no longer defined by such things. But rather in Christian love, recognizing the generosity of my Savior, here are my gifts fit for the King, generously sowed. And so Paul then goes on to say, once we understand the philosophy and the opportunity, then you will understand each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What beautiful words. Because these words free us completely. And yet they scare us. Because our old sinful nature, the sinful nature that that loves to be dictated to with the thought that we can keep every law or if we can't, we'll simply allow God to ignore it. We want to say, but pastor, how much do I have to give before you will leave me alone? How much do I have to give to be a part of the church? Pastor, what kind of church do you have here? Just tell me how much and I'll do it. And then I can close my eyes and say, I'm good with God. And God says, don't think like that. Because you don't have to fill out a law here. 
but rather living in New Testament grace. Living in the presence of the one who has shown generosity in the most amazing way. Living with Christ dwelling in our hearts. He's saying, each person now can simply choose what they want to give. They should decide in their own heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. See the Apostle Paul saying this whole business of giving, it needs to be talked about. Because it needs to be stimulated. But let's not get so wrapped up in specific quantities or amounts. Rather, let's put forth the principles that giving is gaining, giving is worshiping, and then set free the new man that dwells in all of us, the new nature that is set free in Christ to simply say, I want to bring my gifts before the king in a generous way and allow those truths to produce fruit after fruit. And then to incentivize us even more, the Apostle Paul, he says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. He's saying, God is going to continue to dwell in your heart and bound and encourage you on. He's going to continue to, to allow things to, 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 to grow forth. And then he makes an amazing statement. You will be made rich. Excuse me, jumped ahead. He says, as it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Do you know who he's talking about? He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. We would be tempted to think he's talking about God. But he's actually talking about you. He's quoting a psalm. A psalm that talks about the righteous person and their life before God. And at the end of that psalm, what is the psalmist saying? That the one who stands in grace, who stands forgiven before his Lord and stands confident because he knows his Savior, everything he does is like scattering gifts, sowing seeds in a field of this world. Why? He's doing it so that we can be a blessing to others. Gifts fit for the king are gifts given generously, not under compulsion, but recognizing the incredible opportunity to be a part of God's plan. I started this message this morning reminding you that generosity can only be discussed under the umbrella of truly understanding the most generous act this world has ever seen, and that's the work of Christ. And I keep that in front of you because I want you to know that much more valuable than the millionaire who donates an incredible amount of money but doesn't know his Savior, and much more invaluable than the philanthropist who is donating money to create a hospital but also wants to do so only to gain fame and respect, 
Much more valuable than that is the generous heart who knows that true generosity is found in the one who gave his everything that you might have everything. It's the knowledge of Christ. In him, we have been made rich. And so we're free to give. Gifts fit for the king. Our gifts given generously. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, may it guide your hearts and your minds in Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you.